Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. That is a gift. You cannot earn healing. There is no formula for healing. There is no time for healing other than right now because Jesus paid for it. See, it's easy for us to believe that we're forgiven. It's easy for us to believe that we're born again, but it's difficult sometimes to believe that we're healed. See, forgiven is a spiritual condition. Righteous is a spiritual condition. Uh, Holiness is a spiritual condition. And healing is a spiritual condition as well. It's just that we have to remain faithful toward Him and confident till it manifests even physically. It's already true. God's not withholding it. It's just it's not fully manifested. And when it fully manifests, praise God. It's not Him withholding it. It's for whatever reason it connecting in that moment. And, you know, I just kind of want to talk about that idea today of belief, even the word obedience. I mean, obey is a four-letter word, but it's a good four-letter word, and we'll talk about why. But, you know, have you, have you ever had somebody give you a gift that was bigger than you felt you deserved? Maybe it was money, maybe it was a car, maybe it was a house. Maybe it was just they treated you in a way that you you had a hard time believing that somebody could be that nice to you for no reason. Whatever it is, have you ever had someone give you a gift that was difficult for you to receive? Have you? Yeah. Because when they give you that gift, you know, you're, you're thinking, okay, what do they want from me, right? Or you're thinking, ooh, this makes me uncomfortable. I... I don't feel very worthy to receive this gift, right? I mean, let's say if somebody showed up and wanted to give you a house, you'd be really excited, but deep down it's like, well, well I, don't, I don't really feel like I deserve this. What, what, do you, what, what do you want me to do for this now? And then you realize that all this person just does is just wants to give you a gift, and so you become thankful. But there's still that deep down, mm, I, don't, I'm not, I don't really feel like I deserve this. What did I do to deserve this gift? And of course, I'm talking about God. But that's what we do. There's this gift that God has for you, that he has given you, and it is eternal life. It is deliverance. It is full sufficiency. It is provision beyond what you can ever even imagine. But we have trouble receiving a gift of that magnitude because we don't feel worthy of it. I hope worship becomes this for you, is that it's you learning and training your heart of how to just respond and say yes to what he has given you and to what he has done for you. Because what will happen is as you start to experience the gift that you've been given on all different levels, then you can start to realize, you know what? Think back to when you got that really big gift or that gift that you couldn't receive. Maybe you got to a point where you realized, you know what, they just did this for me because they actually care about me. They just did this for me because they love me. They they have more than enough. They don't expect anything from me in return. There's nothing that I could do to ever pay back this gift. 
That's salvation, which includes every aspect of physical wholeness and restoration. But we won't let ourselves experience it to its fullness a lot of times because we don't feel worthy of the size of the gift. We don't feel like we did something to earn the gift. Now, this is one of the most basic messages. I don't have a whole lot to teach on today, but I'm speaking to your heart because this is what you do in your heart. In your mind, you're thinking, oh, shoot, I, just, I can receive it all. I can believe. I'm willing to believe that I can have healing in every area. I can have total, all provision. Oh, yeah? Well, why is it not in your life? Why is there the promise and then your life, and what's the gap in between? It's what's going on, in your, it's what's going on subconsciously deep down in your heart. It's not God withholding. It's you blocking what he wants to give to you because you can't receive the gift because you don't feel like you deserve the gift. Well, let me tell you, you don't. <coughs> but he loves you, and he wants you to have it. And it's his choice to give whatever he wants. So are you willing to get over your unworthy feelings and just be able to receive what he's given to you? Can you do that? Let's look at Isaiah 53, verse 1. And I just want to talk about this. I just want to talk a little bit about the idea of belief because that's all that's left for the believer, <laughs> is to believe. You know, believing is really easy except for all that believing stuff. He says this, um, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So Isaiah is setting up this idea that he's about to give of, of what the Messiah would do when he comes. Isaiah 53 and 54 are two incredibly prophetic passages of, of chapters of Scripture that define two, I mean, it's a beautiful description of the exchange. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. He carried our griefs and sicknesses. It's the exchange of what he did for us. It's the basic message of the cross, but it's the thing that so many of us don't have settled in our hearts. I know that, because you're not experiencing everything that he has for you. For whatever reason, it's on different levels. You're not experiencing it. It's not because he's withholding. It's because you're blocking it. Can you receive that? I know that's difficult. Now, this idea of believing, who's going to believe? This is what Isaiah is saying. He's getting ready to announce what the Messiah is going to do. And he's gonna, he says, who will believe this? Who is going to believe it's interesting that he doesn't say, who's going to perform well enough to be able to qualify for what the Messiah is getting ready to come here to do? This is one of the things I like to do when I read scripture. I kind of like to think of the opposite and think of it as, okay, why did he say it that way and not this way? What is he saying and what didn't he say? Now, you can't do that in every area because you start to create a bunch of questions and it can get weird. But in a situation like this, he shows up and when he announces salvation through the Messiah, it's about belief, right? It's about believing. So Galatians 3, verse 1. Let's flip over there, Galatians 3, 1. So here's Paul. He shows up. <clears throat> you got Isaiah saying, who's going to believe it? 
This is what's going to happen. Now, this is Paul kind of going back, almost echoing what Isaiah had prophesied. He says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Uh Uh-oh, there's that word, obey. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. So he shows up and he starts dealing with them about them not obeying the truth. Do you ever feel like you're not obeying the truth? Let me ask, how many of you want to obey God? All right, put your hands down. How many of you feel like sometimes you don't do a very good job of obeying God? Now, what does obey mean? You can take that down, please. What does obey mean? Why do you think you're not doing a very good job of obeying God? What does obey mean? What's your definition you're using to throw your hand up in the air? You can throw your answer out. Do what he says. Trust. Listen. Environment. Friends you choose. All right. Let me read you the definition of this word. This word in the Greek is pitho, patho. The definition is to be, talking about obey. Remember, he's getting on to them because they haven't obeyed the truth. It means to be persuaded. Now think about this as I'm reading the definition. Obey, to be persuaded. To trust. Now think about, Paul is coming and he's dealing with, for whatever reason, they've started doing something else which is being disobedient to the truth, and they're not obeying the truth, but what he's talking about is have confidence or be confident. To suffer oneself to be persuaded or to be induced to believe. This is what he's getting on to them about not doing. To suffer yourself to be persuaded. Wow, really? I mean, did you hear anything about your actions in that? We hear obedience and we think, wait a minute, I'm not doing enough. I'm not obeying God. But what Paul is dealing with is you are not disciplining your heart and your mind to be persuaded in and be confident of the finished work of the cross. See, that's your problem. That's my problem. That's our problem. We are not disciplined to be confident in the finished work of the cross, to be confident in the gospel. When you're confident in the gospel, tumors die, hormone levels go back to normal, and you can't wait to live life. Look at there, I'm a preacher pounding the... (laughs) (laughs) Think about that. 90% of you raised your hand and said, I'm not obeying God very good. Did you mean that you're not as confident in God as you'd like to be? Or did you mean, I'm not always doing it the right way? Which one did you mean? You might need to repent right now. And what I mean by repent is change your mind, change the way that you think. Now, obviously, us not putting into practice or taking steps in what God has led us to do is the fruit 
of disobedience from the heart. You know, external disobedience only reveals that internally you are not persuaded and confident in the gospel of what he's already done for you. If you are persuaded and confident in the fact that there is more grace than there is opportunity for sin, you would never choose sin. If you were confident in the fact that the total restoration of your body was provided when you received Jesus, you wouldn't wonder if God wants you healed, if healing was for today or not. There's even scripture for it in the New Covenant, Romans 8, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is giving life to your physical body. What did the spirit do to Jesus' body when it raised it from the dead? It's doing the same thing to your body. But it's spiritual. Can you be confident to the degree that it manifests? I think confidence is the missing factor of manifestation. It's true spiritually. So Paul deals with this issue further in Romans, and he starts talking about disobedience. I looked up that word as well. I've done this before, but it's, it's really interesting study. Disobedience means to withhold Belief. Disobedience toward God is not that you're in his face committing rebellious actions. That's the fruit of disobedience from the heart. But disobedience is I am withholding faith toward God. I am withholding confidence toward God. I am withholding the capacity to be persuaded of his word. Now, this is challenging, right? I want to set you free from the idea that you're not doing enough. I want to set you free from the idea that obedience is action, but also help you take responsibility for discipline. It says to suffer yourself to be persuaded. That means put yourself in a position, take responsibility over your mind and your heart and your body and your world and your life and your, this temple and put yourself in a position where are you actively pursuing a lifestyle and a faith toward God where you are continually being persuaded of his truth? See, that's not, that's not what we do typically. What we do is we just kick back and we wait for God to show up and do a little dance for us. We do. It's like, God, if you want it, see, that's where the timing thing comes in. Well, it must not be his timing. Well, it must be this. Well, maybe that gift's not for today anymore. Maybe, and then, and then depending on your degree of unworthiness, it's, well, maybe I haven't given enough. Maybe I haven't prayed enough. Maybe I have, for some reason, I am not obedient enough to receive a blessing from God. That's, that's where most of us live, but we don't think of it that way. But that's what we believe, and you, you live out of what you believe. Out of the heart flow all the issues of life, all the boundaries of life. See, you're constantly living from your heart. We just need to be able to recognize, what do I really believe in my heart? And you can do that. There's all kinds of different ways to renew your mind. There's all kinds of different ways to discover what's going on, what you really believe. You can say a promise about your particular situation and pause and then just see how you feel about it. Listen to yourself talk. If you have sickness in your body, you can stop and say, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. And then listen, how do you feel? 
Are you in agreement with that or are you not in agreement with that? Do you hear a little voice that says, yes, but, or do you hear a voice that says, praise the living God, yes? Your heart will tell you what it believes. And this is, this is, this is the, the work to labor into the rest is to be diligent, to be persuaded. Are you persuaded? Are you confident? See, this word, pitho, it's translated as trust and obey and a couple of different words in the Greek, which is the New Testament language that we have all of our original documents. But it's the root word. When you start talking about believe and faith, they all point back to this root word, pitho, which is to trust and obey or to be persuaded. So you look at a passage like Mark 9.23. Let's put that up there if you would. Mark 9.23. This is Jesus. There's a family that comes to him and they're asking for healing. And they said, you know, if you can, if you can do this. I don't know that they were testing him, but Jesus' response is very interesting to me. He, he answers with a question. And we know that because there's a question mark on the end of it, but... So they come to Jesus and they say, you know, if you could do this, I think it was the story, I forgot to read the backstory, but I think it's the one where um, a family brings their child and they say, we pray for, you know, heal our child. And he says, they say, if you can, would you do this? And Jesus replies, is, if you can? Really? Really? I think he takes that tone because look at the answer. He takes it over. You know, you, know, you all do this, right? If you're a little annoyed by a question and you respond and you're like, you just kind of take it over the top showing, I don't know what the word would be, but anyway, he says, if, I, if you can, everything is possible for one who believes. There's another time, several times actually, when people come to Jesus and he says, what are you willing to let me do for you? Not, not. Can you receive or do you have enough faith? But what are you willing to allow me to do for you? That's the situation that we're in. We're not in the situation with God of trying to get him to do things for us. He's already done everything he possibly can do for you spiritually. It's been placed within you and it just needs to give, have an opportunity to grow. Now there will be a time after the resurrection where you don't have these bodies and the, you know, all that stuff changes, but right now... You know, he's not waiting for you to get to heaven to give you everything he's got. He's already put heaven in you, so you've got everything he's got. But he says, everything is possible to those who believe. Have you ever read that and felt like you didn't believe enough? Oh, yeah. You ever read that and felt like you didn't have enough faith? That's a, that's a, that is a carnal way of thinking about the commodity of faith. That is a carnal way of thinking about what faith even is or what it even is to believe. All things are possible for those who believe. What does believe mean? Believe means, which is pisto, to think to be true. <coughs> to be persuaded of, to credit, or to place confidence in. We know that faith pleases God, but look at the definition of faith. It's the Greek word pistis. It is conviction of the truth of anything. See, are you convicted 
of the truth that what you're praying for has already been given to you. I love that you said it that way. I love that Kelly said it that way. What's your conviction? The, the definition is uh, a conviction of belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things. And then again, believe means to think to be true, to be persuaded of, to be confident in. And this is where we are. We're trying to believe. Do you want to believe God? See, what you're really talking about not is how strong do I believe God or how much faith do I have toward God or do I need to get a little bit more or any of that, like exercise your faith muscle. Muscle, I thought. <laughs> it's, no, it doesn't really have anything to do with what I can muster up within me. It's how much confidence do I have in what he has done? That takes a lot of pressure off of you. And that puts you in a position to only respond. That's all you can do is respond. Do you deserve it? No. Can you earn it? No. Can you ever qualify for it in your own flesh? No. But can you receive it in spite of those things? Can you be persuaded fully that you are in the new covenant, which is between the Father and the Son, and that you have been placed in that situation, and because Jesus chose to give you a gift that you might feel unworthy to receive, you're confident in that to the degree, to the degree that that is what you're going to live. That's how you're going to live your Christianity. That's the expectation level that you're going to live with, is that I'm going to try to set aside how I feel about my performance, my behavior, the choices that I've made in my life, the condition of my marriage, what the, my job looks like, the relationships that I've ruined in the past, my health. In spite of all that, I'm going to set all that aside because I don't have confidence in myself. What I have confidence in is Jesus. And can I then shed all of that stuff and put myself in the same place as Jesus? And then relate to God from that place. And some people would yell blasphemy and run out the door in some circles because of a lack of understanding of the gospel, a lack of understanding of the finished work of the cross. If you see yourself as anything less than as holy as Jesus, you're looking at yourself and you will fail and you will not receive the gift that God has for you. You're born again, but you're, you're, you're choking the degree to which it can manifest within your life. Do you see that? That's my prayer is that this week and every day for the rest of your life that you do this, that as you face situations, you first off give credit to God. That's part of faith. Give credit to God. Give credit that he's already conquered this situation. He's already faced. See, Jesus was a man. And he was tempted in every way like you are, yet without sin. That means every temptation he has conquered. He hung on that cross and absorbed the penalty, the sickness, the disease, the chastisement from God so you could have peace. He went into that grave and he defeated death in his own faith. He took his own blood into the heavenlies, offered it in that place, that eternal place, 
And then he turns and he says, everything that I have just conquered, defeated, earned, gained, and won in my own faith, in my own obedience, I want to give it to you. Can you receive that? That's that simple. That's the gospel. And to the degree that you don't feel worthy of that, those are the areas that you're going to limit God. So what are you going to do with unworthiness this week? What are you going to do when those things rise up that say, well, I need to work on that a little bit more? And I've heard, we all say that. Yeah, well, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm working on it. You ever said that? I'm working on this part. Well, you know what? Quit working. Can you receive the gift? That doesn't mean grace is magic where you just kick back and God controls you like a little marionette. You still have the discipline of suffering yourself to be persuaded. That might mean you need to show, exercise a little bit of self-control, turn the TV off, turn the computer off, shut the phone off, watch your mouth before you respond. You know, all those principles that we need to walk in. I'm not talking that we alleviate ourselves from the responsibility of mature and healthy you know, interaction on this planet. I'm not talking about that stuff. We're not talking about a license to just sit on the sofa and then God's going to make you do everything the way you're supposed to. So I don't know why some people hear that when we preach this way. But what are you going to do when those feelings of unworthiness rise up? And not unworthiness, maybe you're doing a really good job. But there's just something within you still that has a hard time thinking, yeah, I can receive. I could, I could, it could be better in this area. I could be more effective in my communication of the gospel with people. I could make more money to spread the gospel more. I could be kinder to people. I could be this. When those kinds of insecurities and those kinds of unworthy feelings rise up, what are you going to do? Faith would give credit to God for having already conquered those situations. Faith would, in that moment, recognize where you're limiting and persuade yourself that Jesus has won the victory and that his spirit is within you. And then you actually expect grace to come alive within you and empower you in that moment, which is a power beyond what you can do on your own in that moment. When you are facing sin on whatever level, can you stop and turn to God and ask for grace to overcome it in that moment? Or do you just run right on through it and ask for forgiveness later? You need mercy after you've barreled on through. You need grace before. So you don't need mercy. You understand? That's what we want. Well, I mean, what does it take for you to be persuaded? You know, I don't, I don't know exactly where we're going with this over the next couple of weeks. We might continue to talk about persuading our hearts, but... You know, your, 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 your issue is not that you're not doing it good enough. Your issue is that for whatever reason, you're not letting yourself receive the fullness of what God has already given you in Jesus. What's it going to take for you to do that? And then let him empower you to live in that. There are no seven steps that I can give you for that. It's a relationship between you and him. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your spirit. <clears throat> As we look to you, Jesus... This is not just information. This, this is an invitation to experience what you died and rose again for us to, to live in. Just take a minute. Lord, we open our hearts. We open our, our minds.
to the influence of your spirit. So that this becomes wisdom for us. This is not just information. This becomes wisdom for us to live, live in and live out. We say no to the feelings of unworthiness. We say no to the feelings of I've messed up. I, I've, th- there, there's a couple of you. I can see this in your heart. You're thinking, okay, well, I've done this, so that means things have changed for me now. Now I've got to live life this way based on this mess that I made over here. I messed up. I messed up what I was wanting to do. So now I've got to start over or I've got to pick a different path. No. You're just looking at a behavior. You're looking at one single behavior and thinking that everything has to change for you now. It's time to let that stuff go and just see yourself as righteous and holy, empowered by him, living in what he wants for you. Let go of the mistake. Jesus, we honor you. We thank you for your salvation. We thank you for the righteousness that you've given us. We just want you to be glorified in our lives. Amen.